0: Did I play in the blind trick? No, thanks. You sure? Oh. I'll talk about the blind trick and a few other things I did while in New York City for a couple of days this week in this episode of I Can't See You. From Studio B in Swarthmore, this is the I Can't See You podcast with David. It's like blind people for dummies. Hello there, and welcome to episode 203 of I Can't See You. My name is David, at David Benj, on all the socials. I really do appreciate you joining me for this episode of I Can't See You. And what a way to start the show, huh? That great burp that guy did. I'm not quite sure what the the blind trick is, but I love the burp. It's funny because when that guy approached me, I was actually trying to get some city sounds with my iPhone just standing there in front of the hotel that I was staying at on 8th Avenue. I didn't think I was really getting anything because as I was shooting, it was just, you hear some footsteps and a siren or a honking horn a little bit, but otherwise it was uneventful. I was just getting ready to stop recording when this guy approached me and I had already found the stop button by dragging my finger around the screen until I heard it. And I was just ready to double tap and this guy approached me. I didn't know what he was gonna ask me. And then he said that to me and then he burped. (laughs) And at that point, I wasn't sure if he was going to try and steal my phone or what. So I quickly double tapped and put my phone in my pocket and walked away because I didn't know what he was up to. And I'm not sure, like I said, what the blind trick is, but I'm guessing that he thought that I was actually not blind and I was just pretending I was maybe looking to get some donations. I don't know, but I moved away from that guy, but I thought... After I listened to the whole video <laughs> and I pulled the audio off, I'm like, oh, I'm going to use that. I, don't, I was originally going to use the sound clip for Just Listen, but I've got something better for Just Listen, so stay tuned. It has to do for the main reason why I went to New York, but I'll talk about that in a few minutes. Of course, since it's in football season, I'm going to talk about fantasy football last week. And I was one up and one down. And unfortunately, the one down I got destroyed, 176 to about 110, wasn't even close. It was never in doubt, it seems, uh, because the guy I was playing had the Cincinnati quarterback, the same guy I have in the other league. And the same reason why I won in the other league, because all my other guys did terrible on my frenemies league team called Golden Menace. But thanks to Burrow, I ended up winning over there. And thanks to Burrow, I ended up losing in the All-Blind League. So I'm 6-1. and one, But because Brian also lost, he is now 5-2. and two, So I'm still in first place. And this kind of reminds me of how it went last year. I was 6-0. and oh, Then I lost. But I lost, but stayed in first place. So let's see what happens this week. It's going to be very close this week as well. So I'm not too optimistic. And I lost in fantasy hockey, and I'm just starting to pay more attention to that because I don't have Believe You Can to worry about anymore, and I have a couple more minutes each day that I can set my lineup. And as I mentioned before, setting your lineup in hockey is a lot different than football because there are games every night. You can put a guy in and take a guy out and put a guy in and take a guy out, not during the games, but each day. So I have to set my lineup for every day. So if the Flyers, for example, play four games, I could play anybody on my Team that's on the flyers, I could play them for all their games. And the key is to have as many guys play as many games because it doesn't go by that. It's based on different scoring, how many goals, how many assists, and so forth. I'm looking good this week that we're in already, but uh, I am in seventh place overall. I am in first place, though, uh, like I already told you about in uh, the all blind league, but I'm also. In first in the blind division of the Frenemies League. So, as I mentioned at the top, I was in New York City for Monday and Tuesday of this week going to Laugh for Sight. And I'll talk more about Laugh for Sight specifically in a couple of minutes. But before I get to that, I got up to New York mid morning on Monday morning and Nick from the All Blind League, and his girlfriend, Edith, were already there. So we were texting while I was on the train on the way in, and he was telling me what they were going to do for the day. And what he mentioned they were going to do sounded really cool to me. And they were going to do a tour of Madison Square Garden, and I thought, man, that sounds awesome. And so we went over there. So we kind of met at the hotel, which was right down the street from the train station, which, of course, is right next to Madison Square Garden. So I walked from the train to the hotel. I was able to check in, even though it was as early as it was, I dropped my bag off, which was only a backpack, dropped it off in my room, and then we walked back down to MSG. We got to MSG, and we got to do the tour. And fortunately, <laughs> Nick and Edith were in front of me because when they were paying the uh, admission price, which the guy gave us a break, gave us the military discount like I would ever fight. <laughs> we actually saved 10 bucks. We only paid $25 each as opposed to $35, the regular admittance fee. I guess they didn't have a blind discount. So when they were giving us our lanyard that you wear around your neck saying uh, all, all access pass or something like that, and it was a little misleading because we didn't get to go into the locker rooms. The Rangers had played on Sunday night. The Knicks were playing on Monday night. So the locker rooms were off. We couldn't see them. But we saw just about everything else, which was very cool. So when they were giving these lanyards out, which we got to keep, when they were giving them out, they asked Nick and Edith where they were from. And when they said Montreal, I'm like, oh my God, they're going to ask me and I'm going to say from Philadelphia and five guys are going to come out and beat the crap out of me while I'm standing <laughs> standing there waiting to go in. But I guess they thought I was from Montreal as well. So I got in unscathed and we did the tour. And it again, it was very cool getting to walk around the building and learn the history of the building, why it's called Madison Square Garden, even though Madison Square is blocks and blocks away and that this building was built originally in 1968 It is the third or fourth incarnation of MSG, first one being built uh, late uh, 1800s uh, at actually Madison Square, hence the name, and uh, got to go up where the announcers call the games from, which was a very cool area to be on, and then got to go down on the floor, not actually on the hardwood because they were still setting that up, uh, covering over the ice, uh, although there was no ice visible when we were there. the floor was basically down uh, with a few exceptions, and they were putting up the the backboards. There was a ladder at one of the one of the backboards and and things like that. So it was very cool to be there and and do that. And I was telling a friend of mine uh, yesterday, that I've never done a tour like that even when the Wells Fargo Center opened here in Philadelphia. And of course, when it opened in Philadelphia, it wasn't called the Wells Fargo Center. It wasn't called the Wachovia Center. It wasn't called the First Union Center. (laughs) Do you see where I'm going with this? It was called the Core State Center. In 1996, before... The Sixers and Flyers season started because I was a Flyers season ticket holder at the time. We got to go into the building and see the seats and walk around the concourse, but we couldn't see anything else. We, didn't, we couldn't go down to the locker rooms. We couldn't do any of the other things. So the walk around MSG all the way up at the top and seeing the luxury boxes and all that stuff, uh, that was something new and uh, it was very cool. It was just very cool. And uh, afterwards, Nick and Edith and I went out to lunch and we got to talk for a while. And it it was awesome hanging out with them on Monday afternoon. And then on Monday night, we went to Laugh for Sight. Before Laugh for Sight, we went out to dinner and hung out at a place called Jake's Saloon, which was two doors down from Gotham Comedy Club. We had dinner there and then went to the show, which was awesome. Robert Klein was there. Jim Gaffigan was there. And a bunch of other great comedians. Uh, I'll put a list of everything. I'll link to it to the page in the show notes. Jim Gaffigan actually isn't on the page for Laugh for Sight because they weren't sure if he was going to be able to make it or not. But the other folks listed on that uh, laughforsight.com page uh, were there. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And of course, the best part was I got to hang out with Nick and Edith, Edith Moore. And Frank and his wife were there. So that was cool. And I got to see Ed. Ed Plumacher was there, and <laughs> and obviously I got to talk to Brian. Now, I was texting with Frank after last week's episode dropped, and he said it it kind of made it sound like Ed and Brian were a couple <laughs> because I said, Edith and Nick, and Frank and his wife, and then I said, and Brian and Ed. And, of course, they are not. Ed is married to someone else. <laughs> she was not there, however. It was just Ed. So it was great to catch up with Ed. And uh, meet a couple of other folks that I've either heard on podcasts or talked to uh, on the phone. And it was just a lot of fun. And uh, afterwards, we headed back to Jake's Saloon for drinks or whatever. I had iced tea all the way around and uh, it was a teetotaling day for me, as as most of them are. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun hanging out with everybody and meeting some new folks. I got to meet some other members of Brian's family. Brian's mother was there, and she came over to us when we first walked in before the show uh, at at Jake's Saloon and introduced herself to Nick. And when she said, uh, "Oh, and who are you?" and you know, touching my arm, I said, "Oh, I'm David Goldstein." And she said, oh, David, yes, also from the video and from the football league. And again, if you need to watch that video one more time, I can see you slash <laughs> football. It's still there. Please watch it again and again and again. So it was nice to meet Brian's mom. And it was funny. She reminded me of one of my aunts. It was nice talking with Barbara and I got to meet some other family members, Alana And I got to meet some other friends of the family. So that was very cool. And some of the family were actually from the Philadelphia area, from Conchahokan. Or, as my voiceover phone says, Conchahokan. Conchahokan is uh, probably about 10 miles from where I'm speaking to you from right now in Studio B in Swarthmore. So it was just a great day and a great night. And I I was sad, It actually. (laughs) It was sad when we got in in the Uber to go back to the hotel because... Um it was again just awesome. Um Frank and Heidi left a little earlier and about a half an hour to an hour after them I guess we left. Uh, So we didn't get really too much time to talk to Brian, and and Brian apologized to that. And I said, look, I said, it's like your bar mitzvah or your wedding or something like that. We knew we weren't going to get to speak with you too much and get to hang out because you were so busy. I mean, it was his event, and he was so busy doing things. I actually talked to him earlier today, and we were talking about it a little bit. Imagine just having all these different things to do responsible for things that that are going on at the club and stuff like that. But a few people got some awards. Um Larry Goldberg was there. I got to say hi to him. He was instrumental in getting the video made for the uh, All Blind League that resides at slash football And actually I shouldn't say it resides there. That's just a link to it on YouTube. It is on YouTube. And that's just a, a link forwarder uh that takes you to it. He was there. Said hello. We talked for a little bit and um just a lot of fun. It was just a, it was just a great day. Uh, hanging out there and doing all that. And then the next morning when I woke up, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? Before we had gone to our separate rooms uh, the night before, I said goodbye to Nick and Edith because they were getting an early start. They had to be back in Montreal. And I woke up the next morning, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do today? And all along I was thinking there were a few places I could go and places that I wanted to go. One was uh, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, one was MoMA, Museum of Modern Art. Um, one, as I'm thinking about it, I was thinking, oh, you know what? I'll go to the Jackie Robinson Museum. That sounds like a lot of fun. I always wanted to go there. We always drove past it, getting into the Holland Tunnel. We always saw the the sign for it. And it actually has only been open, I, I think, like at the beginning of this year is when it opened, or sometime in 2022, I think it opened. I'm like, yeah, that's going to be great. And I was thinking about this while I was listening to the radio while I was in the shower and I'm thinking okay yeah I'm gonna do that and if I go there right around the corner from that is La Deray, which I love La Deray. I could either eat lunch there or just get some macaron there and I thought this is gonna be great I'm gonna see some baseball stuff I'm gonna go eat some macaron and maybe some lunch and then, <laughs> and then when I pulled up when I googled the, the Jackie Robinson Museum it was closed it was closed until Thursday so I don't know if they're they only opened Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I don't know what their hours were, but they were closed on Tuesday. <laughs> and I was bummed. And I thought, well, what else could I do? Still wasn't feeling the, uh, the Met or MoMA. And I thought, what about the American Museum of Natural History? Uh, if you've ever seen the movie Day After Tomorrow, one of the places they go before all hell breaks loose uh, is uh, the Museum of Natural History. And... I thought, you know, I'm going to go there. As I'm going through my phone, I thought, okay, let me check to see how much an Uber is to that because it's much further. It's all the way at the other end of the town, right by 81st or so. I'm all the way down at at 38th. Um, I wonder how long it'll take and traffic and everything because I have to figure out how long. I had four hours that included travel time to and from, and it was from my hotel to the place and then from the place to the train, and I wasn't sure how long it would take. So I checked Uber to see how long it would take to get there from the hotel. And it was roughly about a half an hour. And when I checked Uber, I, th- I thought, let me see how much battery life I've got left. I had charged it fully. just It had just finished charging maybe an hour and a half earlier. And I went from 100% down to 74% in that time because that's, when I, that's where I listened to the radio on was through my phone and the Odyssey app. So I'm like, uh-oh, this is gonna be tight. I don't have my train tickets printed out. I need my phone to work when I get on the train later on, because that's the only spot my tickets are. I ordered the Uber, and because of the way the hotel is situated on 8th Street, you have to pick it up across 8th Street. So I was at 585. I had to go across the street to 590, so I had to walk up to the corner, cross, then walk down to uh, where it was going to come, and... I'm standing there for a couple of minutes, and my phone rings, and it's the Uber driver, and his English wasn't great, but he said, can you come to 39th Street because if I have to go around the block, it could take me another 20 minutes to pick you up, and I said, okay, that sounds good, and I said, where are you on 39th? I crossed over 39th, and I said, I am on the northeast corner of... 39th and 8th, where are you? And I don't think he understood what I meant. And he's telling me, I'm here, I'm here. I said, well, where are you? I'm standing here on the corner. Where are you? And finally, a guy gets out of his car. He was on 8th, not on 39th. So he was on 39th and turned onto 8th, and that's where he was sitting, right at the corner but on 8th, not on 39th. So I got in the car, and, and we talked for a couple of minutes, and he said, um, uh, as, as we're driving, and there's a lot of traffic down that section of town, but once we once we got into the 50s or so, traffic lightened up, and it was pretty much smooth sailing, but at one point, we're driving, and it felt like we were like kind of turning, but not like a turn onto another road, like a 45-degree angle, kind of like a we were going through a roundabout, and then The windows were open to the car, and I heard a fountain. And I said, "Oh, is this Columbus Circle?" And the guy said to me, "How did you know that?" I said, "Well, I could feel the car turning, but not a regular right or left hand turn. And I heard the fountains, and I kind of assumed that that's what it is." He said, "It is Columbus Circle." And he said, "Uh, "Do you speak French?" And I said, "Only a little, teeny tiny bit." And and then he said a few things: "Je m'appelle, comment allez-vous, and things like that." And I said, "More, more importantly, most importantly, où est Where's the bathroom?" um, not too much else. Um, and he laughed and, um, we continued on to the museum, uh, of natural history and we pulled up and before we even pulled right up, he said, Oh my God, what's that line? (laughs) And I said, what do you mean for the museum? He's like, yeah, I thought, Oh boy, I've made a mistake. I should have picked the Met or MoMA, but I was there. They weren't close. I got out of the car. I thanked him, and he wanted to get out of the car and help me. And I said, no, I'm good. I'm good. And I got out of the car. He said, make a right once you get up on the curb, and the, you'll, you'll notice the line and just keep walking. The line was probably a half a block long, and it was a long block. In, in New York, there are two different kinds of blocks. There's um, short blocks that go, let's say, from 38th to 39th. And I forget how many are in a mile for those. And then there are long blocks that go from, uh, let's say, 8th Avenue to 9th Avenue and so forth. Those, there are seven to a mile. So those are obviously longer. And this was a longer block. And I'm not even sure how long this block was because, again, we were up in the Central Park area. And I don't know what street was going to be next. But easily a couple hundred yards This this line was uh, maybe even a few hundred yards. But once I got in it, it was moving at a pretty good pace. I would stop for a second or two and then probably walk, uh, eight to 10 yards and then stop and then walk eight to 10 yards. And once I got in, I was probably inside the museum from the end of the line in about 15 minutes. And then I really had to wait, <laughs> Because once I got in, it was like waiting at Disney World with uh, the line zigzagging through the uh, the lobby, I guess it was, of the museum. And the funniest thing was, as I was standing there and I could feel everybody looking at me wondering, why is a blind guy going to look around this museum when he can't see anything? And um, I, nobody ever actually asked me. And I'm not sure they would have been <laughs> been able to ask me because of all the people that were around me. The only English that I heard, and it was only from one group, was folks from England. Um, they were talking about Doctor Who because they had just announced the anniversary episodes that were coming out next year, and talking about other th- other things like that. The people in directly in front of me were from Germany. The people directly behind me were Asian of some sort. Uh, I heard a few different families speaking French um, around me. Uh, there was another type of Asian language being spoken. Uh, there was Spanish. Uh, and as I walked through the museum, I rarely heard anybody speaking English. It was it was just incredible. So once I finally got up there and paid, and it was $22 if you needed to know. I don't know if that was with any kind of discount. I, I don't know. I She told me how much it was. I gave her $22. Uh, I didn't do anything special. It was just a basic general admission ticket. And I was just looking to go around and walk around. And, uh, I wasn't even quite sure what was there because I didn't do any investigating beforehand. As I said, I decided what I was going to do in the hotel room, uh, about an hour earlier. So I walked around and I walked through this, uh, one section that had, uh, extinct animals and then extinct bugs or near extinction bugs. And I actually took a selfie and I, I keep forgetting to post them on Instagram. I took a few selfies there, blind selfies there, uh, There were uh, this one moth, which was from the Mississippi Delta. Uh, The wings looked like it had eyes. So when it was flying, it would look like it was a a bigger, scarier thing, I guess, to birds, so they wouldn't bother with it. And like I usually do, and this became an issue as I was wandering around the museum, I have my phone with Seeing AI running. And I have it running because I sometimes need to just take my phone out of the po- my pocket and kind of wave it around and see if it hears uh, it hear if I see anything that I'm interested in. It might tell me uh, what uh, what room I'm entering or what's going to be in there. There were different rooms, um, uh, Latin American things and uh, other stuff like that, or the extinction things. Some were animals, and then I got to another section, like I said, of these paintings or photos of. Um, Different insects. Once I saw something that I thought looked cool, I would have my I would look at it with my phone, and then look for the write up about it, which was usually to the left of uh, the the image. Uh, If it was something in a display case, that was usually down at the bottom, and it would talk about what it was. But uh, I saw this moth, and I could kind of make out. To me, it looked like a butterfly, to be honest, and uh, I didn't know it was a moth until I read the the sheet about it. And um, I took an image of that as well with seeing AI. So again, that could be read to me. I could go back and I'll probably post both of those, the blind selfie and the little sheet about the moth on Instagram. I also took some some blind selfies in front of uh, some other skeletons and some things like that. I have to tell you, there was one section that I walked through and it looked like Native American stuff. I wasn't sure if it was Native American North American, Central American. At one point, they look like American Indians. uh, But it reminded me of the museum in Planet of the Apes. Uh, Again, I can't really see. I could see that these were uh, life-size figures with uh, authentic or maybe actual uh, clothing from the time period. And it just reminded me. I, I don't know if you've seen the original Planet of the Apes, where they're walking through the museum, and one of the astronauts who uh, was killed uh, was in the museum, and uh, and I, I often wondered if that was <laughs> if that was actually the actors that were standing in there doing that, or if it was some other thing. Since the original movie was from the '60s, I'm guessing it was the actors who were being very still. <laughs> So I wandered around the museum more and I I thought, you know what, I'm going to keep going up because it was packed in there that day. And I thought if I go up, maybe there will be less people up there because everybody's interested in the stuff that's here and they're working their way. And like I said, didn't have a lot of time. And I figured that it took, because it took around 30 minutes to 40 minutes to get up there, I should allow for at least that, if not an hour, to get back all the way down to Penn Station. So I got up to... Uh, the final floor that I climbed up to. And I'm not sure if there was another floor above it. But as I walked and got to the top of the stairs, I walked in around maybe 10 feet and I saw light coming from my left side into this big area. And it looked like it had uh, skylights and tall ceilings. And I thought, I'm going to go in there and see what's in there. And sure enough, there was a woolly mammoth and, and some other skeletons in there. And just like in The day after tomorrow, one of the skeletons, when it was found in Newburgh, New York, back in the mid-1800s, they were able to see what was in its stomach because it had fallen into a bog, and I guess it, because of the temperature of the water it stayed so cold. The food that was in its belly was still the same. They could, they could figure out what it was that it ate. And I don't, I don't remember what, <laughs> what it was. I just thought it was cool that they could tell that from, uh, 180 years ago, or uh, I guess whenever they scanned it back when, when they found it. Um, but I thought that was very neat. And then of course I got to the, uh, I saw one skeleton, which was called the great chase. It was, uh, 14 and a half million years old. It was, uh, Predecessor to a bear chasing some other thing, Um, and it was just it was just very cool. So I I started wondering how they uh, thought that this would be exactly what the bones were set up to do. But I guess you know when you get the bones, it's like putting a puzzle together. You can, you know, GI Joe could do a bunch of different things. So I guess so can (laughs) so can animal bones as long as you got all of them. Uh, So it was a you know this one creature chasing this other one, uh, hoping to catch dinner. And um, again, there was the woolly mammoth, there was a triceratops, um, and I'm I'm not sure if it was the woolly mammoth that had the stuff in its belly or the triceratops. Uh, I'm guessing it was the woolly mammoth, but I don't remember. I did not take an image of the write-up about either of those, so I'm not sure. Then I wandered around that section a little bit more, and I was able to come across I think it was a T-Rex. I couldn't find where the write-up was about it, but I I took another blind selfie with that in the back of me. And uh, so I'm going to put them all on Instagram once I remember to do it. I started to do it on the train, but my battery was getting low, and the announcements and people around me talking made it difficult for me to hear my phone. And uh, as I've probably mentioned before, posting on Instagram is really difficult, and I don't rely on dictation to do it because dictation always gets it wrong when texting or otherwise. So I usually manually enter it and it takes me a long time to do it, holding my phone and so forth. So, uh, I still have to do that. I will, I have about five or six pictures. I've got a couple of blind selfies from MSG and some from the museum. And, um, it was just a, it was just a lot of fun. And, uh, once I finished up there, I thought, okay, you know what? I better figure out how to get back out of the, uh, museum because I had to get back to the train station. My train was for 3.05. I figured if I left by uh, 1.30-ish, 1.15, 1.30, I'd be okay. And I kind of started to panic because it was 1.15, then 1.20, and I couldn't find—I was trying to go out the same way I came in, and it turns out that's not what I did. (laughs) I had ended up following these people, and they came upon this part of the museum where there was something that you needed tickets for. I don't know if it was the planetarium. I don't know what it was for, but there was somebody there which was fortunate because then I asked, hey, uh, where's the nearest exit? And she told me how to go and uh, I made my way to it and then ended up leaving the museum. At one point before I got to this person, I was using something that Lauren from Amtrak had talked about called Good Maps, which sometimes has a map of The inside of a building. Now, it did not for this museum, um, but when I was near what looked like a door to leave, it told me what street was out in front, and it was Seventy Seventh Street. By the time I left the building, I ended up leaving on Eighty First Street or Central Park West and Eighty First Street. I'm not sure which road was which one, but I was mad because I ordered the Uber and I walked about 20 feet, and then I made a right because I was walking towards the corner. As I got closer to the corner, I noticed there was a subway station right there, and obviously that would have been a lot cheaper than taking an Uber. And I was so mad that I I noticed that after, because I, I would have done that. The trains, usually most of them go to Penn Station and, uh, or close, and, uh, that one would have been better. And, uh, $2.75 as opposed to whatever I paid. And I don't don't remember what it was. It was 25 or 30 bucks, I think, uh, to go to uh, Penn Station from there. Uh, But it's also the first time I think I spent much time around Central Park. Uh, Jane has always lived downtown, with the exception of that apartment that she rented for most of COVID that she never actually spent one night in that was on East 77th Street. But that wasn't on the park side. Park is uh, further west. I hadn't been in that area and I thought this is a pretty nice place, pretty nice area. And as I may have mentioned before, Jane's rent was jacked up by twice. So she was she and her roommate were paying around 2600 bucks. Their rent is going to 5200 bucks, so they are not staying in their apartment. In fact, they are both looking for apartments uh separate from each other to live on their own. So that's what we've been scurrying to do because Jane's lease is up on the 15th of January. So she's been looking and working with a realtor. And I know her roommate has been looking as well. So hopefully she's able to find something pretty neat. I, I found something today in Soho that I want her to check out. Uh, and I, to be honest, I wish I was up there. I, was, I wish I was up there to go around to these places with her because I love doing that. She's not gonna get a big place, obviously, for what her budget is. And hopefully she, she should be able to get something Fairly close to her budget, which is kind of crazy with with what you get for a couple thousand bucks or a little less. Uh, <laughs> to get in an area that you want, it's not very easy. And that's why I like this one in Soho. It is small, obviously, but uh, it did, did have a separate living room and a separate bedroom. The kitchen was probably the size of a an office desk, a 30 by 60 office desk, had a fridge, it had a sink. <laughs> it had a stove and a cooktop, and that was it. There was no counter space, so I don't know what you do to prep food, uh, but I'm sure you could think of something. Uh, but it would fit a small couch. It would fit a TV, and uh, I, I thought it was pretty cool. And again, it's in Soho, uh, and there was laundry in the building, and uh, I liked it. So we'll see what she does and how she makes out. But uh, but going back to being up there uh, earlier this week, and I'm recording this on Thursday night, just before Thursday Night Football. And uh, it didn't take as long going back to the train station as it took me to come from the hotel. Uh, I'm not sure what way we took. I don't know if we went down ninth. I, I really don't know, because I, I couldn't really tell. And since I'm not familiar with the uh, Upper West Side, I have no idea. I just knew once we got we went back through Columbus Circle again, and then continued down. But again, I don't know what we went down on. So I was left off at the old Penn Station. There are two sections. There's the old station, and then there's this brand-new, beautiful, well-lit, and no seats, Moynihan Hall or something like that. And I had trouble getting out of it when I arrived. And... (laughs) I had trouble finding anything I needed once I got there. And as far as the train travel goes, and then I'll talk about all of the stuff in Moynihan Hall or Moynihan whatever part of the uh, station. In Philadelphia, it's never an issue because I'm very familiar with that station. I've talked about it before when I was working at the blind bodega. I actually hung out there for 15 minutes to a half an hour each morning uh, drinking my tea and and basically just taking taking in the sights and sounds of uh, 30th Street Station in Philadelphia with the people screaming and yelling and the birds chirping inside the building and, and just morning stuff going on in there. When I got off my SEPTA train and uh, I saw a long line and I thought, you know what, before I get in that line, because I'm pretty sure that line, I was pretty sure that line was for, uh, from, uh, for New York, I... Went to the men's room, came out, and I saw the long line. I thought, you know what? Before I just jump in this line, I'm going to go up front and ask. And I went up front. I kind of followed the line. And the guy says to me, can I help you? I said, "Um, is this the line for the train to New York? And he said, yes. He said, "Uh, train 600? I said, yeah. And he said, just stand right there. And I thought, oh, my God. Here are all these people watching me jump the line again. And he said, do you need help going down? I said, no, I'm good. He said, "Well, just stay there. Do you need the Do you need the escalator?" I said, "I can walk down the stairs too. Whatever, it doesn't matter." And then a red cap came over to me, and he said, "I'll take you to the elevator." And I said, "Okay, that's fine." I, again, I felt all the eyes looking at me like, "Hey, this guy is jumping the line." I I <laughs> I didn't like that feeling. So uh, Fulton was his name. Fulton took me over to the elevator. We went down, and he got me to the train. And he said, uh, as I stepped, he said, do you need a plate? And I said, what do you mean, a plate? I don't know what you mean. He said, the plate that covers the gap. I said, no, I can step over the gap. I'll feel for it with my cane and then step over. He said, okay. So I stepped over the gap. He said, all right, just make a left and take any seat you want. And uh, I couldn't figure out how to open the door. And evidently there's a button on there uh, that I still don't know exactly where it was. I think it's near the handle, but it was somewhere somewhere near the handle. I saw him do something, and it wasn't anything with the handle, so I still don't know how to open the door. (laughs) But I got on the train, uh, I took the first seat that I saw, nobody sat next to me, and it was pretty much smooth sailing up to the uh, Penn Station in New York. When I got off the train, I went up the escalator, Uh, no, I walked upstairs, there was no escalator, I walked up the stairs, and... I get into the I get to the landing, I'm like, oh my God, where am I going to go now? And I thought I'd really like to go to the bathroom before I do anything. Let me see if I could find that. And again, it was this new station, this new Moynihan Hall, and I had no idea where anything was. At the old station, I knew where the bathrooms were, I knew where the Amtrak Lounge was, I knew where the Starbucks was, but this one I didn't know. And I tried using good maps, but it didn't have a layout of the place. told me what was on the outside and their addresses but I needed to know inside and at one point I see a door open and I started to follow this guy in and this guy from the inside is holding the door and he said "Uh, can I help you I said yeah this is the men's room right and he said no no uh, the men's room is uh, you're gonna hang a right and go all the way down to the end of the hall and then it's on your right and I found it that way and that was great and Bing, bang, boom, I was done. But that still didn't get me out of the building. Once I was finished, I had to come back out to the main entry area and I had no idea. There, I couldn't, I, I was using Seeing AI. I couldn't find anything that said how to get out of the building. And finally I went in, I was walking around and I hear somebody buying tickets. And I thought, oh, somebody in there can help me. So I went in there, lady asked, can I help you? I said, yes. I said, how do we get out of here? <laughs> And she said, um, you've got to walk straight ahead uh, and then hang a left, and then it'll be right in the opposite corner from where we are. And sure enough, that was perfect. It got me out to 33rd and 8th, and I went out there. And then I started texting with Nick. I said, do you guys want to come down here? Do you want me to come up there and meet you? Ended up walking to the hotel. Coming back, once I got to the train station, the Uber driver dropped me at the old section of the station, the one that I knew. And as I walked in the door, there was a guy there, and he said, hey, can I help you? And I, at first I thought he was somebody that worked there. He wasn't. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I need to know, I need to get on my train to Philly, uh, it leaves, at the time I thought it was uh, five minutes till three, I said it leaves right near three o'clock, I don't remember the exact time. And he said, oh, well, that's that's in the new center. Come on, I'll, I'll walk over with you. I said, no, that's okay. Just tell me. No, I'll, that's okay. I'll walk over with you. And as we're walking, we walked through the entire old station. And then we go up an escalator. I said, oh, where are we going? He said, oh, we have to go across the street. I said, there's no way of going to the new place from here. You have to go outside again? He's like, yeah. And I said, okay. And I thought, you know, I'm getting some, you know, I had some ones in my pocket. And I first got three. I thought, well, here's another one because he's spending all this time. He's probably spent 10 minutes with me. So we walk into the new station, and there was a uh, there was this, uh, tote board that had all the schedules and everything. And he said, your train's at 3.05, so you have a little bit of time. And I, I pulled out. I pulled out four bucks for him. And as I was pulling the money out, he said, hey, could I have 10? I said, no. I said, I, I only have this. And I gave him the four bucks. He said, you sure you don't have 10? I said, no, I really don't. I'm thinking, okay, 10 minutes, four. If if he took 10 minutes to spend with me, uh, yeah, it's $24 an hour, basically. And uh, it was something, had I been walking on my own and had I been through the old section of the station, I would have gone into the bathroom there instead of trying to find it in the new one again. And I could have gone into the lounge there and someone would have given me the... Way to go And I I would have been able to do it that way So I get into the new station And I walk into the main section And I'm like okay I wonder if there's a lounge here And I notice a guy sweeping up A maintenance guy And I walk over to him I said is there an Amtrak lounge In this part of the station He said yes It's directly in front of you Uh, Just keep walking until you go to the escalator And I basically had to walk to the very end The escalator was on my right He told me And I, I went up the escalator as I'm going up the escalator, I started to wonder, it seemed like this was a different type of lounge. And so when I got to the top, one of the guards there said, can I help you? And I said, yeah. I said, is this the lounge? And he said, are you a this kind of member or that kind of member? And I said, I don't know. I said, I know I'm, I have Amtrak rewards. I just don't know what level I am. And he said, I said, I really just need to know where I have to get my train, the 305 train to Philly. At this point, when I had walked in the station, the, the guy who I gave $4 to told me your train's at 3.05. I said, okay. And so he said, I'm going to take you to customer service. I said, okay, great. So we walked down to customer service, and when we walk in, I'm waiting for a couple of minutes, and and one of the guys there helps me, and he said, um, yeah, we, we can have somebody uh, help you out, get to the the stairs you need. I said, I said in the meantime, uh, I know I have around uh, 35 minutes or so. Uh, is there a Starbucks here? And this other lady came and helped me. And she said, yeah, come on, I'll I'll help you out. And I said, you don't need to walk me if you just point me in the right direction. And we walked out of the customer service area. (laughs) And this lady was very nice and very short. Um, And she was funny because I listened to her. She had originally called the guy on the radio, the guy showed up and she said, oh, I'm sorry, whatever your name is. I, I said, you know, disregard. And he said, well, I didn't hear that. And uh, it was just a very funny exchange. So when we're out in the main area and she's telling me where the Starbucks is, she said, just keep walking straight and go all the way as far as you can. You'll smell the coffee once you get close and it's a little bit to your right. And she says, are you sure you don't want me to go? I said, no. I said, it's more of an adventure and it's it's better for me, a better challenge for me to do it on my own than to go with someone. She said, okay, go ahead. But if you're not back in seven minutes, I'm going to come looking for you. I said, okay, that's fair enough. And we both laughed and I went on my way. And uh, of course I found it because I heard the uh, blender going making a a Frappuccino and I got in the queue, ordered my iced tea and I was hungry, I hadn't had lunch. So I got a breakfast sandwich which I was surprised they still had. Then I thought, well, you know, before I go back to customer service, I have some time. I wanna eat the sandwich, I gotta find a seat. There is not one seat in the main part of the train station. There's a couple of seating areas on the very fringe where there are food places, but there's nothing in the main part. And people are sitting on the floor, leaning up against things. And Jane and I were talking about it after, and, and she had told me that when it originally opened, they didn't want to put anything there because they didn't want homeless folks coming in and sleeping on it or uh, hanging out in there for an extended period of time. And I thought, I don't know if the people I saw sitting up against the walls and things like that were getting on trains or if they were homeless or if they were anybody else just hanging out. And I thought, what a, what a great place, but you know, how do you, I I basically, and I eat a lot of times standing up. I've mentioned plenty of times how I like standing, but unlike 30th street station where there was a place to put my, put my tea, there was no place to put my tea in my bag. So I basically had to put everything on the floor while I, I stood and ate my sandwich and then went back over to, um, the customer service, they put me on the train, and um, I got situated, and after we left, the guy came along, and and I was worried the whole time. Like I had mentioned, my, my phone battery was dropping and dropping and dropping, and I think when I got on the train, it was at 30%, which, of course, is fine, uh, when, and once they scanned it, I felt better. I started listening to a podcast and spending a little time um, doing things, uh, you know, looking up stuff on the internet, checking emails and whatnot. Uh, but I was worried because I didn't have any kind of paper ticket or anything like that. Like I mentioned, uh, three or four times as the conductor came through the first time when he scanned my ticket. And then a few times after that, he said, are you sure you don't need help when you get to 30th street? I said, no, I'm good. And got to 30th street. And as we were pulling into 30th street, it became also became a little dicey because the Amtrak train was a couple minutes late. There was about a 10-minute window I had to go from the Amtrak train to my SEPTA train because unlike when, when Jane comes into Philadelphia, I don't make Liz drive into town to get me unless I have a bunch of luggage. I just go from the one train to the other train, and she picks me up in Swarthmore. When I got off in Swarthmore, or when I got off in Philadelphia, I really wanted to use the bathroom. Unlike the Amtrak train, the SEPTA trains, the regional rails in this area, do not have bathrooms on them. So I got off the train. It was like 33 and or 34, and my regional rail train was supposed to arrive at 439. So I had five minutes, and I had to go from one side of 30th Street Station to the other side. Imagine being in Miami and having to go to Seattle. That's basically what I had to do. And then climb to the top of a mountain near Seattle. I don't know, because I had to obviously go up a level. So I figured, you know what, hopefully I'll be okay, and I'll just get on the SEPTA train. When I got to the top of the stairs to the platforms for the SEPTA, there was a train there. I'm like, oh my God, is this the right one? And I noticed there was a person wearing one of those super yellow, almost Seattle Seahawks type of color vests. And I said to her, I said, what train is this? And I didn't know it was a girl at that time. Until she spoke, I didn't know it was a girl. She said this was Wilmington, Newark, which I could have also taken, but I'd prefer to get off at Swarthmore. It's just a little bit easier for Liz. In a pinch, I could go to the other one, like when there were, they were doing rail work when I was going to the blind bodega for one of the weeks that I was working there. Uh, I took that, that line. That was the one <laughs> where it reeked of, uh, they always reeked of pot, uh, the Wilmington, Newark line. So she told me the media... Elwyn Wawa line uh, the train would be coming in a minute or two so after the the Wilmington train pulled out a couple minutes later the uh, Media line uh, train pulled in I got on and I was good to go and there there were no issues with needing a bathroom badly on that trip home so it was a it was a great time and it, it's just there's just something about doing it on my own and of course I always get help, whether it's somebody telling me it's okay to cross the street. And sometimes I don't ask. I just kind of wait and I figure, you know, I have to listen for traffic and who stopped and who's going and whatnot. Um, One thing that has me a little bit on edge is when, for example, on 8th Avenue, there is a bike lane. And unlike cars, bikes sometimes are hard to hear. And I'm a little... Leery of stepping out into the bike lane, even when there's a when I have the light to cross, because sometimes those folks on bikes don't stop, and so that was a little leery. But when I first crossed Eighth, when I was coming actually uh, going to the museum, there was somebody that was standing next to me. When it changed, he said, "Okay, we're good to cross," and I I thanked him, and I would have figured it out in ten or fifteen seconds. But one of the things that happens when I'm on my own, it actually forces me to talk to other folks. Um, whether I want to or not. If I want to know where I'm going and what street's in front of me and so forth, for example, when I came out of the uh, train station and I knew I wanted to head uh, up 8th Avenue towards 39th, I couldn't tell which street was in front of me. I knew 8th Avenue was to my right, but I didn't know if I was at 32nd and 8th or 33rd and 8th. And there were some people talking also in German um, at the corner. And I said, excuse me, I said, this is 8th Street to our right, is this 33rd or 32nd? And they said, they uh, hesitated for a minute, and they said, it's 33rd. I said, okay, great. And when we walked a block to make sure we were going the right way, I asked again, I said, now this is 34th, right? And they said yes, and I walked across. Unfortunately, they only walked another block because I felt a little weird walking behind them and uh, I was going to cross the street. I thought I had to cross the street. Fortunately, they crossed and I didn't, because before I knew it, I was at the hotel, and I, I thought I was going to have to cross over. Uh, but I love going when I when I do it on my own. It's just it's just a very different experience for me because I have to concentrate so hard. I don't have somebody with me like Liz or Jane or even friends. Like when I walked back to MSG with Nick and Edith. Edith is sighted, obviously, if she drove. Um, so I walked behind them and I just listened for them, either Nick with his cane or them talking, and I just kind of stayed behind them and I was fine. Uh, but it's very different when I'm on my own and doing it on my own. It just feels like a bigger accomplishment when I do it. Uh, hey, I got here, just like I had, I had told someone who uh, at the end of the comedy show, at the end of Laugh for Sight they said, I want to help you go to the, uh, to Jake's. You're going, right? And I said, yeah. I said, well, it's only two doors down. I know I'm just going to walk out this door and go down two doors to the, <laughs> to the place. And she said, no, I want to help you. I need, I need to help you. And I said, okay. I said, that's fine. I, I, you know, you can help me out. And again, it was, we walked out of the one, we made a right and maybe we walked 10 or 15 paces and then we made another right into the saloon. And, um, and it was, and it was great. And and just doing that on my own, it just, it's just, it builds your confidence. It built, built my confidence to do other things. When I was wondering what to do, when I was thinking about going to the Jackie Robinson Museum, I thought, is it going to be tough for me to go from the Jackie Robinson Museum to La Terre? And I thought, yeah, I can do it. It's just around the corner. It's a couple of streets I got to cross. And uh, I've always been, <laughs> I've always been leery about crossing streets. And, um, but I was okay with it and I, I thought the more I do it, the easier it's becoming, the more confidence I have. So that was my trip to New York. Again, it was a lot of fun. It was great to see Frank and Nick and Edith and meet uh, Frank's wife Heidi and see Ed and see Larry Goldberg and see Brian uh, and meet some other new folks uh, like Brian Wolinsky, and meet uh, Brian's mom and some other family members and Missy and... Uh, it, it was just a lot of fun. It, it just was a great time, and I was so happy that I went. And and again, obviously, it gave me something to talk about in this episode. And uh, I'm sure I'm leaving a lot of things out from MSG, but as, they, as, as I come to them, I'll, I'll uh, shout them out another time, another episode. Before we get to Just Listen, which is just under a minute long... I did want to mention episode 49 of White Canes Connect, which is the other podcast I do, uh, sometimes with Lisa, sometimes with Stacy, who's ever available. And sometimes they do, it's the two of them without me. I always do the editing, though. I'm the editor of that. Lisa and I talk to Carl Smith, who is from the NFB of Utah. He's going to be the national representative of the upcoming NFB of Pennsylvania State Convention next month in Pittsburgh. I'm looking forward to going to that. Again, more travel. Uh, While it'll be on my own, I'll be with a bunch of other blind people, so it's technically not on my own. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. Taking Amtrak out, but we rented a charter bus to come back because as I think I've mentioned before, from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh, there's one train out each day that doesn't take too long, and there's one train back each day. The one train out leaves at 12.42 p.m., And it takes about seven and a half hours or so to get out there. Coming back was the issue. The only train from Pittsburgh to Philadelphia each day leaves at 7.30 in the morning. Well, the convention, the last day of the convention goes until about 11 a.m. or 11.30 a.m. So you kind of miss that whole last day if you leave on the Amtrak train. So the Keystone chapter chartered a bus and uh, then we sold tickets to folks who wanted to come back on that bus it's leaving at 1:30 p.m. from the hotel which is the sheridan Pittsburgh Hotel at Center uh, at Station Square and so if you're in the Pittsburgh area and you need to come to Philadelphia on the 13th of November <laughs> for $52 you could ride with us on the charter bus there are still some seats available so if you are looking you don't have to be an NFB member you don't have to be at the convention you just have to need to go from Pittsburgh to Philadelphia on the 13th of November in the early afternoon hours, uh, arriving in Philadelphia in the 6 o'clock hour, depending on traffic. So uh, that is available. If you Please contact me at the normal places if you do want to come back on that uh, charter or if you are actually going to the convention and you want to come back. Uh, it's just, it's a little bit quicker and uh, we can leave when we want to. Otherwise, going from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh on Amtrak... It takes between 11 and 12 hours because it's like playing connected dots uh, to get out there or get back. Uh, so, like I said, one train out, one train back daily. And the one train back was at a terrible time. So that's why we did the bus. So, we talked to Carl and Lynn Heights, who's the president of the National Federation of the Blind of Pennsylvania, talking about the convention. With Carl, we talked about. Uh, he's a business owner, so we talked about that. We we talked about assistive technology, which is what his business sells, all sorts of different things. As I've mentioned before, I have what's called a CCTV device that um, I don't use at all anymore because it's just so hard for me to read anything. Uh, but basically, uh, you put a piece of paper or a book or whatever you want to see under this device. And you look at it on a monitor, it makes it very big. Because I can't read too much anymore, it's not really as helpful as it once was for me. Uh, But he sells that sort of stuff. And he talks about some other things, uh, both at a national level of the National Federation of the Blind, and as well as things, uh, his blindness journey and things like that. It was great talking to him, and I really enjoyed speaking with him and look forward to meeting him in person in Pittsburgh at the uh, state convention next month. So I mentioned just listen, and I was going to use a few other sounds for just listen this week. I had an extended version of of what I opened with, with that guy talking to me and then burping. And, and honestly, when I heard that burp today, when I was when I was editing that audio, it reminded me of Barney from The Simpsons, Barney Gumble, uh, when he he did that burp. But uh, uh, the other sites that I had were from inside the. Uh, American Museum of Natural History, on my audio recorder, which I'm not sure how much I got and how it sounded because when I recorded it, I wasn't sure I was recording. And now that I got it here, I can't figure out how to get the, I've got it plugged in via USB to my computer, but it's not showing up on my computer. So I'm not 100% sure what I have to do on the device to make it noticed on the computer so I can just grab the files. So the audio that you're going to hear, as well as the audio in the intro of uh, the Barney Gumble impersonator asking about uh, playing the blind game, were all shot as videos on my phone. This Just Listen is part of Brian Fischler's set at Laugh for Sight, and <laughs> I picked this 50-some-odd second clip because he doesn't curse in it. And I was thinking, how am I going to use uh, the beep button or uh, fix any kind, of, any kind of bad words? And when I listened to his whole set again, I thought, oh, there's a good clip. I can just use that. So here is Brian at Laugh for Sight in Just Listen. So my mom is here. <laughs> mom is uh, recently a widow. Okay. And I recently found out that she's on old Jewish broad Tinder. But sad is I've been on that site for years. My biggest fear is that the site sets us up on a game. And mom, you'll be happy to know I'm a modern man, so I expect you to pick up the check, and I don't kiss on the first date. But if you're lucky, I'll still let you tuck me into bed. Outside of Alabama, that's a little creepy. Brian did a great job that night. It was awesome to be there, like I said. Robert Klein was good. Jim Gaffigan was great. The other folks were great. The first guy up was a Ukrainian comedian named Boris, and I forget his last name. I'm not sure I'd be able to pronounce it if I remembered it. Uh, But when he started, he said, uh, hi, I'm Boris. I'm originally from Ukraine, and now this is a Ukraine fundraiser. (laughs) And he went on and on and on. And uh, when I say on and on and on, uh, his set was around eight minutes long. Uh, But he was great. Everybody was very funny. It just was a good time. So uh, I look forward to next year. Brian Walensky had said to me he's been to four or five of these Laugh for Sight events. And this year's was by far the best one yet. So I I look forward to it. I had a great time. It was great to get up there. It was great to, again, just get to do stuff like I did, whether it was MSG or the museum or hanging out with Nick and Edith and talking to all these folks that I hadn't seen since we shot that draft video back in September of last year, which you can, again, watch at ICan'tSeeYou.com slash football. Uh, it was just that part was the best part, was hanging out with everybody and talking to everybody and and meeting the new folks and just a, just a lot of fun. And I was glad I went. And uh, I look forward to doing it again, and I can't wait till next year or the next time we all get together. As I said to Nick and Edith, maybe we'll have to do something in Montreal, so we have a reason to go up there, and we can go visit them. Montreal's a city that we went to a few times between 2009 and 2012, I think three or four times. It was a lot of fun. Jacob did a camp up there uh, in 2009, so we had to drop him off, and two weeks later, go pick him up. Jane went to a concert up there, and then Jacob, after he graduated high school, him and his friend Andrew, who just got married. Uh, Congratulations to Andrew if he listens, which I don't think he does or even know this (laughs) podcast exists, but congratulations to him. And uh, oh, and congratulations, speaking of weddings, today, the day I'm recording this, the 27th of October, is my best friend Alex and his wife Stephanie's 21st anniversary. So happy anniversary to you guys. It's a long time. That's quite a while, (laughs) but it was a lot of fun getting away. And uh, again, I look forward to doing it, going to Pittsburgh next month. And hopefully once I get everything set up for the next thing I'm going to do, meaning business-wise with some support of the Bureau of Blindness and Visual Services, hopefully I'll do a little more of that. I'm looking forward to that. So I really do appreciate listening to episode 203 of I Can't See You. Please reach out and connect with me by phone, 646 926 6350. If you've got questions, tips, show ideas, ratings, reviews, whatever you got, please let me know. Again, 646 926 6350. Three minutes, leave your name in town, please. You could also reach out via email, I can see you podcast at gmail.com, I can see you podcast at gmail.com. Remember, if you want to check out the show notes, and I'll have some links to Laugh for Sight and a few other things there, uh, they're always on the website at ICan'tSeeYou.com. So, ICan'tSeeYou.com slash 203. Remember, I Can't See You sounds like a whole sentence, but it's only seven characters long. I-C-A-N-T-C-U dot com slash 203. Thanks again for listening. I really do appreciate it. Be well, stay safe, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the I Can't See You podcast with David. Please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends.